I'm looking forward to preaching this morning, uh, but we did have a few great sermons this past month in January on the Kingdom of God. Uh, Wayne Broadland and Peter Belfry spoke two sermons each, um, focusing uh, on the Kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek first the Kingdom of God, and so we wanted to make uh, this year, 2017, about seeking the Kingdom, and so we heard some great messages on that, uh, but today I'm going to be starting a new series this morning. Uh, called 2020, Embracing God's Vision for Your Life. And so uh, let's pray and then I'll, I'll begin. Father, we just thank you again, once again, that you orchestrate things in astounding ways. Father, we thank you. We thank you that, uh, again, we are a church that seeks after you in prayer because we need you. And you answer in uh, amazing ways. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now. And I just want to invite you now, just within your spirit, in your heart, just pray uh, that God would speak to you this morning. And then I ask that you would pray for me, that God would use me to be helpful for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So my family is an outdoorsy family. We like to be outside, okay? Love being outdoors. We love camping. We, we like sleeping on the ground and being uncomfortable for two weeks at a time, okay? We love it. We just love doing that. Yes. We love being around water. In fact, we love being in water. And so one of the things that Allie and I value as parents is teaching our kids how to swim. Okay? We, we want them to know how to swim. To have fun in the water, but also for safety reasons, right? We don't want them to drown. So we, we put them in swimming lessons from an early age. Um, Eden, from like taught very, very young, we put her in swimming, same with Lydia, and now <clears throat> same with Ezra. Eden, no problem. She was like a fish, loves water, had no problem going to swimming lessons. She's still taking them now. It's just great. She loves it. Lydia, she had a bit of t- trouble with swimming lessons. Um, but over time, she got okay, she got used to it, and now she just loves swimming. Ezra, wow. <laughs> he just hates swimming lessons. He just, he can't go. Last year, we put him in a class, and he just wouldn't go. He would cry. We'd leave him at the pool. He'd be like, no, no, like snot, snot coming out of his nose. I mean, he just didn't want to be there. It was to the point where we're like, okay, we'll, we'll just have to pull him out. Of, we can't let him go like this. So we pulled him out of swimming lessons because we didn't want him to be like that every week, which he was. He was crying every week. So we're like, okay, just pull him out. And so we're like, we'll try again next year. So we did. We tried again this year. And uh, same thing. I mean, he just doesn't like swimming lessons. No, I don't want to go. No. I mean, how many of you parents know what I'm talking about? When you just reach the end, you're like, what's going to work here? Like, I will do anything, anything for you to just do this, right? Well, we got to that point. And we're like, Ezra, you got to go. Again, this is one of the values that Ali and I have as parents. Ali, this just happened last week, okay? Ali came up with a brilliant, brilliant solution. It was unbelievable. This is what she did. So he, we're, he's, he's getting dressed. We're, we're about to leave. He doesn't want to put his jacket on. No, I don't want to go. No. And Allie uses the power of a promise. Oh, it was brilliant. 
She's like, Ezra, if you go to swimming lessons and you don't cry throughout the swimming lessons and you go, mommy will buy you a Transformers toy. What? You should have seen the transformation. It was un- <laughs> unbelievable. No, no. Okay. Okay. Where's my jacket? So he, he puts on his jacket. All of a sudden, he's walking like this to the, to the pool. Like, he's walking like this. He's got this new strut. New, you know, oh, yeah, oh, I could do this. I could do this. No problem. And he goes, he endures the swimming lesson. He faces his trial like a champion. And he came out victorious. He didn't cry at all. All for the promise of a toy frog that turns into a car. Okay? It was unbelievable. That is the power of a promise. I hope we don't have to do it again. But it it taught us. That is the power of a promise. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. The power of a promise. Promises have power. A promise has the power to change the way you view your life. It has the power to change the way you live out your life in the present as you wait for its fulfillment in the future. A promise offers change. A promise offers hope. Promises are powerful. They're powerful. And the Bible is full of promises from God. There are many, many promises that God gives to his people in his word. And you know what the beauty of God's promises are? You know what the beauty is? He never breaks them. Never breaks them. God does not break any of his promises. I remember as a young kid, before I became a teenager, uh, I had this fascination with colognes. I loved collecting little cologne bottles. So I had different color bottles, green, blue, clear, metal color. Anyway, I had all these colognes maybe 10, 15 different ones. I just like to smell good. I don't know. And uh, one day my cousin came over. He's a much older cousin. And uh, he came into my room and he's like, whoa, you have a lot of cologne. And he took one, polo. I remember remember which one he took. It was green, polo. And he's like, can I have this? I was like, what are you talking about, man? No. (laughs) I have a collection. You can't have that. And he's like, I will give you, this is what he said, I will give you a bigger bottle. And then he ended that statement with, I promise. And I was like, yeah, okay, go ahead. And I had that promise lodged in my mind. I still do, right? (laughs) But guess what? It never happened. I never got that bottle. I haven't even seen my cousin, actually, probably since then. Maybe one or two times since then. But he just... You know, he broke that promise. And let me tell you, it was devastating for me. Because, I mean, he promised me that he would get me this bottle, and it never happened. Now, I love my cousin. I love my family. But I'll never trust him, man. Like, I can't trust him. (laughs) If he were to do that again, no way. Right? One thing I learned, though, in that time is the, the, the power of a promise, especially when it gets broken. And so I realized, you know, through that, because I have it lodged in my, in my mind. I'll never forget that. Just how devastating it can be when a promise is broken. Because promises are that powerful. They're very powerful. 
The good news is our Heavenly Father never breaks his promises. Numbers chapter 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? God is a God who fulfills his promises. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Isn't that amazing? This is a promise from the scriptures that God who is faithful will surely do it. God is a God who will fulfill his promises. He makes promises that he will fulfill. That's who our God is. Now, I want to focus particularly on one promise that he gave to Jeremiah in the book of Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. If you have your Bibles, you could turn to that. Jeremiah 33. Uh, Verse 3, it's also going to be up on the screen. Uh, But this is what it says. Verse 3, call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. I love that. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Perhaps you've heard Jeremiah 33, verse 3 before. It is a famous verse. It's a nice-sounding verse. It's easy to remember. Jeremiah 333, right? Very easy to remember. It's, it's got a nice sound to it. Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known, right? But you know what? When we read this verse, this promise, within its context, it's even more powerful. It's even more nice-sounding. It is such a powerful promise that God gave to Jeremiah. Okay, very powerful. Context is everything. Words can so easily be taken out of context. Take, for instance, this statement from a headline from a news article. Bank robbed, police fired. Now you can look at that and be like, okay, either it means a bank was robbed and the police were the ones that did it and so they got fired from their jobs. (laughs) Probably not. Or, I mean, yeah, a bank was robbed, the thieves ran out, and the police took out their guns and fired their guns, likely, right? But you don't know until you actually read the article. What what, what is that talking about? And then you read the article, and it says, a bank was robbed by two police officers, and they got fired from their jobs. You're like, oh, I didn't see that one coming. Wow, right? You get get the context. Just kidding. That would probably never happen. (laughs) But uh, you get what I'm talking about. Context is everything. And so when you read Jeremiah 33, verse 3, in its context, reading the previous chapter, the chapter even before that, and a few chapters after that, it just, it becomes deeper and more meaningful when God says, call to me and I will answer you. It is very deep, very meaningful, very powerful. You see, this, this was written as the people of God were about to be completely overtaken by the Babylonian Empire. God said in the previous chapter that he was going to send pestilence, famine, and war upon Judah. And actually, when you read that, especially for us today, when we read parts of the Old Testament, we think, man, God sounds like he's really really angry. Like, there's some mean things that he said. It's it's not nice sounding at all, right? And you wonder, why would God do that? Why why would God send the Babylonians to overtake overtake Judah? Why, Why would he... Why would he do that, right? And and you see, you got to know the context. And it's also written in Jeremiah 32, 
The people of God were following after idols. And one particular idol that they were following after was the god of the Ammonites. Perhaps you've heard this name, Moloch. Okay, Moloch was brutal. It was just a brutal practice what these people were doing, the Ammonites and the surrounding cultures around them. They made this bronze statue in the shape of a bull with its hands cupped out like this. And they would light a fire underneath the hands so that the hands would be like scalding hot red fire. And they would place their children upon the hands of this um, idol, sacrificing babies, kids, to this idol. That's what they were doing. That's the practice that was happening in, in Judah. And God looked upon that and said, no way. I'm not going to let this continue. It's, it's, it's horrible. It was an atrocious act. That's why he sent the Babylonians. It was almost, it's his mercy to do that, to overthrow the, the, the people so that they would stop doing this madness. It was God's mercy. But for the people, the people of Judah, for God's people, this was a disaster. All of a sudden, the Babylonians came. They burned their homes. They just overthrew them. Life was just, I mean, it was crazy. It was nuts. And so for sure, they would have thought in that time, where is God in all of this? Why are we facing this right now? And this is where the grace of God is shown in absolute stunning fashion. Even though the people of Judah were doing these atrocious acts, God gives them a promise. Isn't that amazing? That's the God who we serve. That's horrible what the people were doing. Sacrificing children to Moloch. And yet, he still gives them a promise. That if the people of God called out to him in the midst of struggle, in the midst of their turmoil, he would answer them and show them what he is up to. What a promise. He promised that he would restore them. He promised that he would forgive them of their sin. He promised that they would be rebuilt again. Jeremiah 33 verses 6 to, eight says, six to 9 says this, Behold, I will bring to it health and healing. And I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel. And by the way, we can hear this from the prosperity side and say, see, it's, it's God's will to be prosperous. Well, you know what? You know when this was being spoken? When they were devastated by the Babylonian people. When they had nothing. It was a promise that God was going to restore. That's the context of what all this is saying. I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. I will cleanse them from all the guilt of their sin against me and I will forgive all the guilt of their sin and rebellion against me. Wow. And this city shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and a glory from all the nations of the earth who shall hear of all the good that I do for them. Wow, what a promise. So when the Babylonians finally did come and overtake Jerusalem, burn down homes, devastate the people. They had this promise. It was almost like a life raft in the middle of the ocean. That one thing that they could cling to in the ocean was this promise. They had this. That God was, that this was not forever. That this thing that they were going through right now was not forever. That God was going to bring them back. That God was going to restore them. It was a promise. Now, sometimes in life, we go through bad things. Bad things happen to us. Sometimes those bad things that happen, sometimes it's because of the poor choices we make. It was, it's like the, 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 the people of God. They made some poor choices. 
There were consequences to their actions. And so the hardships that they face, some of the hardships that we face in life are as a result. They are consequences for the things we did. But even when we go through a season of hardship that was brought upon by our poor choices, God is there wanting to restore us. That is who God is. That is the God we read about in Jeremiah. A God who longs to restore, not destroy, but restore when we fail. That's who God is. The promise of God in Jeremiah, the people of God in Jeremiah, were making poor choices. They were making choices that were gravely affecting the next generation when they were offering children to Moloch. And the devastation was a way to stop them in their tracks, cause them to turn back to God. You see, God wanted them. Right? God didn't want to just wipe them out. He wanted them. And so he stopped them so that they can turn to him and see God as their source. And so sometimes the hardships we face are God's detours on the roads of life, telling us there's a better way. Proverbs 13, 15 says, Good judgment wins favor, favor, but the way of the unfaithful leads to their destruction. Now other times in life, we go through hardships, We go through trials, tribulations, and it's not a result of our poor choices. In fact, we do everything we can to live right with God. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm wanting to live according to your ways, Lord. I seek after your will. And yet, this happens. And yet, this trial, this circumstance, this storm comes. Why? And that's the question that we have for God. Why, God? Now, I don't have a definitive answer for you. But sometimes, God wants to show you, through your trial, who He is. Sometimes, God wants to show you, through your trial, who you are. And sometimes, just sometimes, God wants to show everyone around you who he is and who he is to you. So we may not know exactly why trials happen, but I can promise you this. God is with you. God is up to something in your life, in your circumstance, in your trial. He has not forgotten you. He is not leaving you to be in your dismay. If you are facing your trial, my hope is this, that you can hold on to the promises that God has for you. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Maybe God has given you a promise. Perhaps that promise came to you in a time of prayer where you were seeking after him and suddenly the Holy Spirit put an impression on your heart, everything's going to be okay. Perhaps you've been looking at the scriptures and you read a story or you read a passage and it's like speaking right into the circumstance that I'm in right now. And you have this glimmer of hope that just rises up in your spirit. Perhaps that is a promise for you from the Lord. Hold on to that promise. 
Perhaps the Lord has given you a prophetic word. Just like what happened this morning with April. The word, those were promises from the Lord, April. That God is going to see you through this. Those were words from the Holy Spirit for you. God does this. God speaks through his people to us. Perhaps the Lord has given you a prophetic word. A word of knowledge that gives you hope. That gives you confidence that God is with me. He's with me in this trial. I don't see it yet, but I know he is. Because of this promise. It's like a life raft in the middle of the ocean. It's there, but I got to grasp onto it. Whatever it may be, and whatever it may have been, whatever promises that you have received, don't let go of those promises. Don't let go of the promise that God has given you. He does not break them. Listen, God gives promises for one reason. You know what that is? He intends to fulfill them. God gives us a promise because he will fulfill them. We serve a God of fulfilled promises. We serve a God of certain hope. We serve a God who is faithful all the time, every time. And you can take that one to the bank. Amen? That's who we serve. He is a God of promises that will never break. That's who our God is. He is faithful all the time. And so what promises has the Lord given you? Make those promises your vision for 2017. Some of us, 2016, we are so glad it's in the past. Okay? We look forward to the future with these promises that the Lord has given us. Don't let go. Perhaps you've, given, you've been given a promise. Make that the vision for your life. We serve a God who will fulfill them. Embrace God's promise for your life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. You are faithful. You are a faithful God. You speak and you act. We can trust in you all the time. Our eyes look to you because you have the answer. You are the God who promised, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. That is who you are. That is who you were in the scriptures. That is who you are today. That is who you are tomorrow. That's not going to change. We know it. We trust it, Father. And we thank you that you are a God of fulfilled promises, that you are a God of certain hope, that you have your eyes on us. Father, we thank you that we can put our trust and our hope fully in you. Lord, I pray you would continue to move in our lives. Help us to refocus. Help us to recalibrate our vision this year. That we would not look to the past and be discouraged. If we do look to the past, may we look at the moments where you've shown yourself mighty on our behalf and look forward and look forward to you showing yourself mighty on our behalf again. God, we just thank you. And we look to you for whatever trial, whatever circumstance is surrounding us right now. You are with us. And you're not worried.
have your way in each of our lives. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Be with us as we go this week, as we continue to see and embrace your vision for our lives. And it is in the name that is above every name that we pray. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a wonderful week.